Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you guys well today? Amen. Fantastic weather outside. Hallelujah. Looking forward to getting some sunshine after this. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 31. We're talking about God's government. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God. Anybody a Christian here this afternoon? Hallelujah. Amen. That means the kingdom is inside of you. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor the kingdom is inside of you. The kingdom is within you. And one of, one of the things I've been thinking about personally is, you know, it's amazing how God transforms your life, isn't it? You know, from beginning to end, when you accept Christ, every aspect of your life can be transformed and be made new. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm still on the road to being made new. Hallelujah. But I want to encourage you this afternoon that that DNA, the kingdom DNA, is still inside of you. Amen. And if there's things you want changed in your life or things that you're frustrated about, let the kingdom of God start to expand within your heart and within your life and start to change those things from within you. That's what Jesus meant when he said the kingdom of God is within you. So right now, if there's things in your life that you want to change, just believe God, trust God that through this series of the kingdom of God, that he'll give you the revelation that you've been born again, that you're part of a complete different kingdom, a different world, hallelujah. You've been born of a heavenly nature and you've got a new identity and a new destiny, hallelujah, in the things of God. So let's just pray as we come to the word of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for kingdom power. Thank you for kingdom identity, Father God. Thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, you, your word says, pray this prayer, your kingdom come, uh, your will be done. Let your government, let your reign come upon the earth, Lord, come in our lives, Father, come in our future, come in our families, come in our soul groups, come in every aspect of church life, Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord God. We're not just church people, we're kingdom people, Father God. We're not just Christians, Father God, Lord, we're kingdom Christians, we're we're people with a kingdom identity and a kingdom future, Father, in Jesus' name. So, Lord, I pray today, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I just want to start by reading a, a few statistics that I was reading uh, on the 2005 to 2012 report for London churches. And the title of this message is, Is Your World Too Small? Is Your World Too Small? And when I was reading these stats, I started to think, my God, my world is a little too small. Uh, meaning I'm in Kensington Temple, 9 o'clock service, maybe 900 people, 1,000 people, 11 o'clock service, wow, packed to capacity, you might know, not know how many people's here, but you think, oh my God, it's pretty full in here, 2.30 service, swinging between 200 and 400, and, and then 5 is a teaching service, 7 o'clock, we maybe get 400 plus or something like that, and you're in this church, and you're thinking, my God, isn't this amazing, but what is it like outside of this church? What is it London-wide? What is it across the UK? How is the church in general? Because if we're just in a, a little building like this, we can think, my God, our world is just this world here right now. And then think about this, your world, when you go back home. Now, I know in your dream life, you're dreaming about some five-bedroom mansion one day you're going to live in. But in reality, in London, many of us are living in this little box, one-bedroom apartment uh, in a high tower, raised tower. And if we're lucky, maybe we've got a three or four-bedroom, that kind of thing. But we're still in another box. <laughs> we're still in another box. We, we think in a box. We think in our world. And we, and we think in our lives. And we put things in boxes, don't we? This is my 
education box. This is my job box. This is my church box. This is my house box. This is where I watch my favorite TV programs, and this is the night that I want you. And if you're a man, then you orchestrate your life around the Champions League, and you would have been watching Barcelona last night, late last night, and you would have just been watching the box, we used to call it, isn't it, in the old days. Now you're watching a nice plasma screen. So often we're, we're in our little world. I wonder if Today, you need to break out of this world that you're living in, somehow that you've created. What, what, what do I mean by that? And I was looking at these stats that I'm going to read in a few minutes. I started to think about just my, my family. When I moved to London around 19 and a half years ago, I started to invite my family. My family are from a town. Anybody from a town here? Anybody from a city? Anybody from a village? Anybody from planet Mars? Because that's what is left, basically, for you to lift your hand. You're from a different world. We're part of the kingdom of God. I know what you mean. So we've got this town mentality. Now, with the town mentality, there's certain things that come with it. So I'd invite my family down to see me in London, and they came once. And then I called them back, and I said, oh, why didn't you come again? Oh, they started to think of a million reasons why they couldn't come. Firstly, it's too busy on the London transport. Couldn't get a place to sit down on the train. London is just too busy. When I drove down last time, Christian, I was in traffic for a long time. I can't simply come back to London. And a lot of reasons why. Why? Because it's a completely different mentality, a different world. And they, they, from my family point of view, it was a struggle for them to step out of their world and come into a city world. The city world was just a big challenge for them. They, they just couldn't handle it. Maybe once a year for a birthday or a dedication, that's as much as they can handle. You know, so often when we're thinking about our world and the world that we live in, often we don't like change. We, we need God to help us to live from a different perspective. When I came down to KT, I, I was a town person as well, you know, but I, I wanted to get out. I was, a, I was a dreamer. I wanted to get out. I wanted to travel the world. Why? Because someone said, listen, you're going to travel the world. And so I believed God. And in, in KT, I had the opportunity to travel to a, a lot of nations. In last couple of weeks ago, I went to Romania. In three more weeks, we have another team going to Romania. Not just Romania, but been to Brazil and Africa, right across the world. And when you travel to different countries and different nations, what does it do for you? It starts to widen, widen your point of view. It starts to widen your worldview. You're no longer just a Christian growing up in Westbourne Grove in a high block tower trying to get by. But suddenly you've been on mission and you've been to the world. You've been to India and you saw a thousand people. And your mindset is starting to change. You're thinking, my God, there's another world out there. Anybody ever thought that when they've been away? There's another world out there. My God. So when we've been in Romania, we've encountered these small children. This is the mindset that we start to think with. My God, in Europe, I've heard people say on the mission, in Europe, we've got starving children in Europe. Oh my God, starving children in Europe, they mean in Romania. They'd never get a shower, and this is what the church is doing, cleaning them up. So they're quite shocked. Their worldview is completely in shock. And what we're challenging them to do when they go on mission is to what? Step out of their world into another world. So that's the reason for this title, Is Your World Too Small? I know some of you are thinking right now, is my world too small? My God, you know. And so London stats, I don't know, there's a a statistics done from the year 2005 to 2020 in London. Did you know there's around, in 2005, there's 620,000 people attending London churches? 
I don't know if anybody thought it was bigger than that, 620,000. There's about approximately 8 point something million people across the city, uh, if you include parts of Greater London, uh, but pretty much the midsection of the city. Uh, to 2012, the church grew by 100,000 people. Hallelujah. That's, that's amazing. Hallelujah. 100,000 people. Some of you might think, well, that's not that, that many. But did you know that 82% of these people in the London churches that, that were added to the church, 82% of them were female? So my question, when I read this, oh my God, where's the world? Where's the rest of the world? Where's the, where's the men? Where, where's the world? Now, we know that men are not coming to the church in the way that they should be. Now, the average age of the church, what do you think the average age of the London church is? The average age of a London churchgoer is age 42. As opposed to new churches, new churches who are stepping out of their world, doing cafe church or community church or new ventures of church. They're stepping out of the old system of Sunday morning congregations and they're stepping into something new. The average age of those churches is 33. So it seems to me that the older the church, the more the church is being going and the, and the fewer the church in number, the older the people are. The newer the church, the more vibrant the church is. When we talk about midweek activities, 63% of London churches hold a midweek service. 45% of the church in London have a weekly youth activity. 23% of churches undertook some form of community activity when an average of 71, pe- 71 people attended. Now look at this stat here. 45% of church in London have a weekly youth activity. Did you know that half the people who live in Lambeth and in Southwark are under the age of 50? The average age in Lambeth is 31. So if a church is not reaching the younger crowd of people, and a high percentage, I think it's one quarter of the under age of 20 living in Lambeth are ages 0 to 4. So there's a, there's a baby boom as well. So the church of the future, unless the church itself, me and you, because we're all the church, hallelujah, step out of our world and start to look at the world of London and start thinking, how are we going to reach London? Over 50% of the people attending the activities in the week were under 44, and 38% of them were under the age of 20. Collectively, midweek activities brought in an extra 300,000 people into the church each week. So if a church had a midweek outreach, a community outreach, or a youth outreach, or a cell group in a cafe, or whatever, that kind of modern-day evangelism, the church at work in the world, stepping out of its world into another world, then 300,000 people came extra into the church. And 120,000 of these people never came on Sunday. They only attended church during the week. Isn't that a stat? That simply means that we ourselves as a church need to step out of the four walls of this building. Because if we're going to reach London, hallelujah, if we're going to reach London, we need to step out of our little flat, our mindset, the things that we're going through, and we need to step into another world, hallelujah. So I thought to read that. If you want more information on that, you can come to me at the end of the service, and I can email you about that. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, and verse 31 We're talking about extending God's reign in the earth. Now, it's not just evangelism or things like that. It's extending the kingdom of God in the world. Now, think about your world. I was thinking about my world. What what is my world? Now, we know that the Bible says in 1 John, it says the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. That's out there. So if you're serving the world, you're serving either the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the flesh, basically, the pride of life, trying to get ahead, 
the London, the successful kind of mindset. But for most of us here, the seven things I've written down. Number one, our world should be God. I mean, the reason that you're in church today is because you love God. Amen? Few of you love God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hopefully at the end of the service, many of you will be a bit more revived. Number two, you love the church. You're about the church. Now, this is not in any order. I know some of you might be thinking, oh, I don't love the church that much. But two, we love the church. Then three, work and school. So it's either work for some of you or it's education. That's your world. Then four, family. Family and relatives. That's your world. Then number five, social life and your own little network, your network of friends. Number six, community. Now, if you went through one to five, maybe you've not had time for community because most of us don't. We prioritize number one to five, then community. And then number seven, I put finances and future. Who is not thinking about their finances and future? I think we, we think about our finances, we think about our future a lot more than any other thing. So that's our world. This is the things that we're thinking about all the time. Now, I don't know if you heard Pastor Collins' sermon at the beginning of the year. He was encouraging the church to put first things first and second things second. I mean, out of this list that I've given you, what is the first thing you should be putting at the top of your list? God, seeking the kingdom of God, getting to know what God's about, seeking the kingdom of God. And that means a transition. I know what I'm about. I know what I'm concerned about. And then there's the kingdom of God and what God's concerned about. And so where do we put things? The kingdom of God is first, and we are second, and we're all in a transition. We're all in this transition of change. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else shall be added. Hallelujah. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, the vision statement of KT, part of it is to influence every aspect of society. To influence every aspect of society. That's, that's our vision. That's the kingdom right there. You know that the kingdom of God influences every aspect of your life. It demands change. It doesn't say you can become a Christian and you can stay the same. It's okay. If you're a Muslim, you can become a Christian. You can, you can be a Muslim and a Christian. It's up to you. The kingdom doesn't say that. The kingdom says you need to repent of being a Muslim or a Hindu or an atheist or a liar. You need to repent of doing those things and you need to receive the kingdom of God. That means there's a change. You know what that's called? Repentance. You change. That's what it means to seek the kingdom of God first. So you make a change in your life. Now, most of us are either in both camps or I put down here boot camp. Which one are you in today? Are you in both camps? What is it both camps? I mean, well, I'm in the world. I'm not of the world. Sometimes I am of the world, and sometimes I'm not of the world. And there's a little battle going on, and I'm just trying my best to get by. Either you're in both camps, and Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. Either you will love the one and hate the other, or you'll be loyal to one and despise the other. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So do you want your life to stand as a Christian? Who wants their life to stand as a Christian? You want your life to stand as a Christian, then you just can't be in this little battle of both sides of the coin. Sometimes I'm a Christian, sometimes I'm not a Christian, sometimes I'm part of the kingdom of God, sometimes I'm... Listen, I need to jump and be fully in the kingdom of God. I need to receive Christ and be fully in to receive the benefits of the kingdom of God. I want to live a life of impact. I want to influence every aspect of society. I want London, hallelujah, 
I want London to hear the gospel and all the 33 or 34 boroughs in this city with all their problems. One of the challenges in Lambeth I worked out is obesity, ages five to six, is the highest obesity rate in the whole country is in Lambeth. That is the stat itself. Second highest amongst ages 10 to 12. What is the church going to do about that? I mean, this is, this is an opportunity, but most of you might not have known that those facts, it's important that today, if you're going to influence society or influence your neighborhood, if you're going to allow the kingdom of God to get out there, and do something, allow the kingdom to work in you, you need to start to know what's out there and what the needs are. Seek first the kingdom of God. What does this require of you? It requires you to lay down your life. Press the reset button and say, God, you know what? I'm leaving my life behind, my little kingdom, my little mentality, my little, I'm just thinking narrow-minded, and I'm now starting to say, God, I want to be about the kingdom. What is God about? God is a, he's a global Christian, hallelujah. He doesn't just think about the UK or London or Southwark or the carnival that's coming up or whatever. He's not just thinking about all these activities. He's thinking about the global need and the global church and the national church. And and if you're seeking the kingdom of God, then God's agenda is going to be on your agenda. Hallelujah. How many people want a bigger agenda? I want a bigger agenda in my life. I don't want my prayers just to be, well, God, I need this and I need that and I need the other. Back again, Lord, I need this, I need that, I need the other. And It goes on for the whole year. I want something bigger, something bigger, something more tangible from God. I want to make a difference in my life. And the kingdom is all about making a difference. The kingdom of God is all about influence and making a difference. Here we are, Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, verse 31. What is the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he sowed it in his field. Which indeed is at the least, it's the least of all seeds, or the smallest of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest on its branches. That gives you a picture that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of influence. It starts small, but becomes large enough not just large enough to be there amongst all the trees of the forest, but comes large enough that the birds of the air come and nest in, in its tree. That means other people come to rest on your life because you live in a strong life. Now, when we're looking at this, is your world too small? What's the definition of small? There's two things I'd like to add on this. Either you think yourself, you think that you're small, You think you're small or you actually are small. Two sides of the coin. Now, not everybody who's small thinks they're small. Sometimes they think they're big. I remember, do you remember the Scooby-Doo? Who remembers Scooby-Doo on the TV? And there was Scooby-Doo, the big Scooby-Doo. But it happened that big Scooby-Doo, he was often shy and he would jump and someone would catch him. But little, the little, what they call Scrappy-Doo, he was always the one who wanted the fight. He was always the one who said, come on, I'm going to take you on. Come on, let me at him. He would say that all the time. So though he was small, he thought he was big. So we know there's people, not necessarily just small in height, but inside they they think, wow, I'm strong. I'm strong enough to take the fight. And there's people who are tall (laughs) who think, my God, I don't want to fight. I don't even want to think about fighting. But here, small, what does it mean? Little in size when compared, compared to others of the same kind, not large or big, limited in size. I want to tell you that the kingdom of God is not limited in size or influence. When I read that, I thought, my God, that's, that's me. 
trying to differentiate what's the kingdom and what's me, limited in size. That's me. That's the flesh. That's Christian without Christ. But with Christ, I'm not limited. Hallelujah. Little in quantity. Extent, numbers, value, duration, a small income. Slight intensity. Of limited degree or scope. Consisting of relatively few units. Numerically low, maybe. Small-minded, mean, petty, uh, of low inferior rank, ordinary, not notable, modest, or humble. So small-mindedness, or somebody who's not notable. I want to tell you that the kingdom of God becomes notable. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God makes an impact in this world, and also the kingdom of God is not small-minded. The kingdom of God has a big plan. Hallelujah. The Bible says, for I know the plans I think towards you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. So God has a big plan for your life. Perhaps right now you do think you're insignificant and you're small. Two weeks ago, we had a certain artist here in the church, and I remember reading the story of his life, and there was a story of a a lady who got pregnant, and she got pregnant out of marriage. And it was 20 plus years ago, and she was encouraged to get rid of the baby, to chuck the baby out. Get rid of the baby. You're in sin. Get rid of the baby. She was struggling with this situation that she found herself in. I thank God that God can turn around your mistakes. Hallelujah. God can turn around situations. But how you respond to those situations as a kingdom person or as a worldly person. And she could have said, well, no, I'm going to go the way of the world. I'm going to dump this baby, get rid of this baby, not interested. People in the church have criticized me. I'm going to leave the church, like a lot of people do. But she got before God, and she said, you know, God, I've made a mistake, but I give you this child. I give you this child, and if you can use this child and turn around my life, I give this child completely to you. And do you know who that baby was? That baby was Israel Houghton. And he was with us only two weeks ago. And it's amazing to see what God has done with that small baby and that humble prayer. And God has just breathed on him and taken him around the world. And all the songs that we sing in church, you know, quite a lot of them are from Israel Houghton. All because uh, insignificant, or at least she felt insignificant at that point in her life. Got before God and said, God, you know what? I made a mistake, but I want to be a kingdom person. And I want to give this baby to you. God uses small people, insignificant people. 1 Corinthians 1.26, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to, to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world for, to, to put to shame the things which are mighty. God has chosen the small things of this world to shame the things which are mighty. Small things. Small things can become big things. That's the kingdom of God. You might think to yourself, I'm insignificant. I'm not from a posh family. I don't have an education. I didn't go to Harvard or Oxford or Cambridge. I don't even know where I'm going in life. I tell you, you're a perfect candidate for God. You're a perfect candidate for God. Because sometimes you can go to Harvard, Cambridge, and Oxford, and you can say, I'm a somebody. I'm going somewhere. I've got everything. I don't need God. But then the kingdom of God won't come into your life because you've already resisted the kingdom of God. The way to the kingdom of God is to admit that you need God. You admit that you need him. You admit that you, maybe in both camps, you're struggling with both camps. Oh my God, how am I going to, listen, jump into the camp of the kingdom of God. Risk your life on Christ. And I tell you something, your life will start to grow. How do you grow as a Christian? 
How'd you grow? You put your life in the soil of the church, in the kingdom of God. You become committed. It doesn't matter how you feel. You just put your life there and you say, God, I'm going to be content. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be committed. People may push me. People might treat me with disrespect. But God, I'm going to give my life to you and I'm going to be here. And when you're consistent, what happens to your life? You become like this mustard seed. Your, your life goes into the soil of the kingdom of God. How does it go into the soil? It goes into the soil by one key, and that is surrender. Surrender and abandonment to the call of God. If you have this seed right now, you've received Christ. Well, every one of us can be carried. I'm a Christian here. Oh, look at me. I'm a Christian. Oh, I've got the seed of the kingdom of God. Ooh, look, I've got the seed. I've got the seed here. I'm born again. Well, that makes no sense because, hey, it ain't going to grow in my hand, is it? Your life is not going to grow in your hand. You're walking around, hey, I'm a Christian here, I'm a Christian. Don't like church too much, but I'm a Christian, hallelujah. Not really liking the sermons or the worship, to be honest, but I'm a Christian. Listen, surrender. Forget about complaining, focusing on what others are doing. Look at your seed and say, God, what do I need to do with this seed? What do I need to do? Your kingdom is a seed. Your kingdom is a seed that is going to influence every aspect of society. There's power in the seed. But... The power of that seed kind of influence society by it just being in your hand, walking around, or even you put it on your badge here. Just put it there. Put a bit of salad tape. Look, seed here. I'm a seed. I've got the kingdom of God. It's not, even, it's not in your heart. It's just there. That's what many people do in today's church. They walk around. I was driving to London today, and I went to preach in Lewisham. Had the privilege of speaking down there in our satellite church, World of Life, and great group of people. But as I was walking, I saw all these London Christians. And probably not all of them were like this, but what I thought, when I saw them, I thought, there are Christians just going to church with a Christian mindset, with a church attendance mindset, and more the mindset of, I'm just going to attend church, do the service, get it over and done with, go back, get my food, spend time with my family, and get ready for work. That was what came to mind when I saw London Christians today. And I started to pray. I said, God, you need to do something with the mindset of Christians. You need to give us a kingdom mindset. Because most of us don't have a kingdom mindset. We have a worldly, just trying to get by. I'm struggling. Not got the revelation of being a kingdom Christian or even being born. I don't even know if I'm saved. I'm just trying to get to church kind of mindset. We need God to give us a kingdom mindset. Amen? And it's the seed. The seed knows to go in the soil. And that's key to that is surrender. You surrender your life. You put it in the soil, the good ground that God has prepared for your life. And the good ground is the church. That's how God grows every believer, amen? He grows every believer. And he and KT, we're constantly releasing people to their ministry and encouraging you to move forward. There's a few things here that the kingdom of God is. The kingdom is like a seed, although small, but has great power to influence people and to impact people. I'm amazed by a story of my son when I'm taking him through the Bible reading, and he, and he points to, there's a, there's a picture of all the soldiers on his page, and there's one little boy who's there just kind of eagerly thinking, oh, what's happened to this giant? What's happened to this giant? And he goes through, and he points to each of the soldiers, and he says, you know, this daddy, that's, that's not the one. This one is not the one. This one is not the one. This one, this one, this one. All this, they're not the one. And then he points to David, this small boy. And he says these words, this is the one. This is the one. And what he means by this is the one that God's going to use. This is the one who's going to knock down Goliath. 
I want to tell you today that you are the one. You are the one if the kingdom of God is within you. If you've surrendered your life to Christ and you've been born again, you are the one that God's going to use because you're going to allow the kingdom of God to start to penetrate every aspect of your life. And if you allow God to do that, God demands change. He doesn't allow you to stay the same. You just walk through your life. You know what? I'm not saying that drinking's wrong. But you know what? You always drank before you were a Christian and you now drink because you are a Christian. And you just... Drink as much as you drank before you were a Christian. You're drinking, now you're a Christian, and you just think that's fine. And maybe you go to nightclubs or bars and things like that, and you have a certain behavioral pattern, and nothing really has changed. The only thing that has changed is that you now have to get up on a Sunday morning and get to the service and get a seat and listen to a very long message, and then go out there and think, my God, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm just the same person. Sometimes God allows you for a season to continue in your behavior. But then he gets to the point and says, listen, if, if the kingdom's within you, he starts to say, listen, you need to start getting rid of some of that stuff. Now, it's not just, it could be lying, it could be cheating, it could be loads of stuff, it could be shouting and becoming angry at home, things like that, your behavior. But the kingdom of God gets to a point in your life and it says, listen, if I'm going to grow, if I'm going to penetrate every aspect of your life, you need to stop doing this stuff. You need to repent and allow me to start to penetrate every room in your life. There was a little writing on the board, if I can, I can remember it. It said something like this down in Lewisham, and I really took it on board because I was sharing with them. It said, before you preach to others, before you shine your light to others, make sure that the light that is in you is also bright. Make sure that the light, and that's the kingdom of God, make sure that you're growing. That you're moving forward, spiritually speaking, that there's a vibrancy on the inside, a sense of purpose, a sense of destiny. And out of this growing, out of the sense of the kingdom of God growing in you, then you start to disciple make. You start to plant a cell group. You start to evangelize. Because it's all about that. That's the kingdom of God right there. The kingdom of God will grow. It will bear fruit. You have to know who you are. Know who you are. You, your life has been completely changed. You had the seed of the world on the inside of you, the seed of sin and the flesh, and the devil was trying to take you away, but then you received the, the seed of the kingdom of God. And what I mean when you're in both worlds, you neither know whether you're a non-Christian and you neither know whether you're a Christian. You've got to know your identity. Know what God has said about you. There's a few things here I've written down. You've received a new identity. You've received the spirit of sonship. If you're a Christian today, you've received the seed of the kingdom of God. You're now a son. You're now a daughter of the king. And as a daughter of the king, as a son of the king, there's different things that you need to start changing, as I've already mentioned. But know this, number one, you're accepted by the Father. God accepts you right now. You're adopted as his son and daughter, you're, you're loved by him. You're blessed by him because the Bible says in Ephesians 1 verse 3 that you and I are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Who? In Christ. Who's Christ? He's the king. So when we receive Christ as the king, we've received what? His kingdom. 
his kingdom identity, his kingdom nature, and it starts to penetrate every aspect of our lives. My son likes watching the movie Turbo. Anybody seen that word, the movie, the Turbo? Now, I used to watch movies like Arnold Schwarzenegger and big Die Hard 4 and all these kind of things. I'm not saying that's right for you. Don't, don't feel under any pressure. But now I watch movies like Turbo. I now watch movies like Cars 1. And I'm sitting with, with my boy. And what happens to the snail? He's always dreaming about racing. In, in, in this race called the 500 race, he's dreaming about this and he's watching this TV as if a snail could actually watch TV. But anyway, this is the story. And he's watching this TV and he's seen this race and he's got this dream, but he's a snail. Like a snail is ever going to race a race. He's never going to race faster than Lewis Hamilton, is he? He's not going to be able to go over 200 miles an hour. This snail has a dream and he's always saying, I'm going to, and his friend, his brother, I think, he's saying, don't be stupid. You are a snail. A snail will not race in the 500, in that race. It will not race. And he's saying, no, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Now, accidentally, when he has a bit of a pity party and he runs off, he's on a bridge and he's just thinking about his life and he gets knocked off this bridge and Suddenly, in true Hollywood stature, he gets on one of the fast and furious cars with the turbo jet engine, and he doesn't know where he is. And then he's racing in this race, and there's two cars racing against each other, and he's going, oh, this is amazing. He still thinks he's in his dream world, so he thinks, my, this is amazing. I jumped off, I got knocked off this bridge, now I'm on this car, I'm living the dream. And then suddenly, something happens, he gets knocked off that car, it goes right through the engine, and as the guy presses the turbo with all the injection of the nitrogen fuel, he suddenly presses that and all this fluid goes through the engine and this snail, as he was knocked off, is in the engine of the car. And suddenly he swallows all of this nitrogen kind of stuff and suddenly all this nitro turbo kind of stuff, this liquid gets in his system and starts, what does it start to do? It starts to penetrate every cell in his body. I mean, literally, it becomes a bit like the Incredible Hulk. He's just blitzing every boom, 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 boom. Every aspect of his nature becomes a turbo snail. Right? Hallelujah. I want to tell you that you are a turbo Christian. Hallelujah. If you receive Jesus Christ, that is the... That is what's happened to you. You receive Christ. And the power of Christ, the kingdom of Christ, has started to penetrate every aspect of your being. So the things you couldn't do before, like accomplish God's will for your life, and, and move in faith, and move in miracles, and start to have a vision for your life, and a purpose. These are the things of the kingdom of God. Why? Because you made Jesus Lord of your life. Hallelujah. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're forgiven. You're a friend of God. You know, when, you, when, you, when you're struggling, you start to forget what God has said about you. And the longer you live as a Christian, and the more you get knocked back, you, it's even worse. So if you're here today, but you've struggled a little bit, you're probably back here somewhere, thinking, oh my God, believe God, forget that, done that, bought the t-shirt, not interested. And the reason you're kind of like that is because you've tried and it hasn't worked. I want to tell you today, unless God's doing something, it's not going to happen. And I remember my wife, Toy, and she'd applied for three jobs. And 
I don't know how long it is to become a doctor, but it's a very, very long time. And uh, five years, six years, uh, she, and she finally gets to the end of her training. And like all uh, end of the training, the doctors say, listen, it's very difficult to get a consultant job. Many doctors are just trying to get by. And you really need to pray for open doors. She went for three jobs. And we prayed and we fasted and we asked God to open a door. And every one of those doors was shut. So needless to say, after the third door, we're thinking, my God, what's going to happen? So she got a job, 9 till 5, in UCH down in Houston. And that was awesome because she works during the week and an hour can be available on weekends. Just, we just prayed about that. God provided. Really, really good. But not a consultant job. So she's really asking God for this consultant job. Knocked back three times. Getting a bit discouraged. Not really thinking. Not thinking like a kingdom person. Thinking more like, my God, what is happening? Thinking like a Christian, getting stressed, about, anxious. Not maybe believing God anymore. And then, out of the blue, we were looking at some certain schools, and we're dreaming, starting to keep dreaming for our, for our son and, and our, our daughter, where we're going to go to school, and as you would do as a parent, and a school came up, and we just said, you know what, well, God's in that, you know, who knows, but if the, God's in that, a job's got to come up. Well, she was just surfing on the internet, not even looking at the doctor's website and things like that, which she gets on email, and this job came up in a certain hospital, a consultant job. She came to me, I can't believe I found this job accidentally. I said, well, we prayed a prayer. If God wants us to, to move into that certain area, then maybe God will provide the job. So she applied for the job, and she was talking on the telephone to people, and the report came back. She said, she got even more discouraged. She said, it's still available, and there's an interview on this date, but there's seven people, seven people applying for that job. And, it, and if, you, if you're not thinking like a kingdom person, you start to worry, then, well, God, there's consultants, there's people probably been consultants for 10 years, they've got expert this and expert that, they've probably been to this university, that university, my God. And you start to worry in the flesh. Anyway, I give it to God, I said, God, if you want to open this door, then open this door. And on the day, I was traveling to Romania, had to arrange childcare for our kids. She went for the interview, and I spent 45 minutes just in prayer. I got the end of the prayer. After 45 minutes, I texted some scriptures that I felt that like God was revealing to me, and I prayed these verses. And the last verse I got was chosen. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart for God. That's a kingdom person right there. A chosen person, a royal person, a holy person. Well, I'm not feeling holy today right now because I've got some struggle. Listen, you're holy by DNA. Remember, your life's been changed like the turbo snail. Hallelujah. You have become born again. You've become a Christian. You've got a new identity. It needs to start penetrating those areas of your life that you're struggling with and allowing God. So I've got this verse that said, listen, and you go down in the Spirit Life Bible, and you know what the word chosen means. The word chosen means handpicked out of a large group of people for a specific purpose or reason or task. I said, listen, boom. Now, there was no guarantee she was going to pick that up and think, whoa, think like a kingdom person. She might have thought, ah, oh, come on, seven people. But when that verse hit her, she started thinking, she finished the interview. And she thought, my, it's impossible. I feel like it's impossible. So I'm going to pray that God will breathe on these interview people and handpick me out of these large group of people. I landed in Romania. The phone went off. 
And if you're in another country, you always look at the phone and think, I ain't paying that bill. I ain't paying that bill. Who is calling me at this time? If you're on voicemail, I'm probably already paying for you. What are you doing? And then I paused for a while. I saw it was Tori and my princess on the phone. So I thought, hallelujah. I thought, if she's calling me, she must have got the job. Because otherwise you wouldn't be calling me. I picked the phone and she said, hey, I've got the job. I've got the job. I've got the job. So we thank, we thank God for that. And then she went on to say, when you text me about that word chosen, I got out of the interview, I was giving it to God, and I needed a little bit more encouragement. When I read that, I thought, my God, maybe it's possible that God will choose me, that I'm chosen for this specific job. And that's exactly how it was. And they were saying to her, not just that you've got the job, hey, just let us know when you want to start. So whether it's a month, two months, whenever, take as much time as you want, we want you. That's what they're saying. We want you. Take as much time as you want. And in that, we knew that God has chosen. God has chosen her for that job. But more than that, God has chosen each and every one of us. We're a chosen people. That's what the kingdom of God means, to penetrate like light in the darkness, every aspect of society. And if you need a job, God has a specific job for you. He has a specific task for you. He has a specific purpose for you. Because that is what we call the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is full of new life. The mustard seed tree, it's full of new life. It's green. It's flourishing. That's the picture of a born-again Christian with a new nature. You're not unfruitful. You might, well, there's nothing working out for me right now. Well, you're not unfruitful. Amen? Whether things are working or not, you're not unfruitful. By DNA, by identity, you are a fruitful person. It says about Joseph in Genesis chapter 49, 22, Joseph is a fruitful bough. He's a fruitful bough by a well, and his branches will grow over the walls. That's the picture of you as a Christian. There's walls of limitation in your life. There's difficulties, but because you're a fruitful kingdom person with a new identity, you have the DNA of the kingdom, and you have the capacity of God on the inside that will enable you to grow over your barriers. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. The kingdom has the strength that others rely on its branches and trust in its power. That's the kingdom of God. Growing out as a church, a church's plan is not to be stagnant, not to be insular. A kingdom people always look outward. They're always looking for opportunities. Because that's what the kingdom of God is like. Jesus wants to reach people. He wants to save people. He wants to heal people. He wants to transform communities. He's transformed you. He wants to reach out to others. That's his DNA. And if he's inside of you and you allow him, he'll start to use you to reach out to other people. That's the picture of the mustard seed. The kingdom of God helps people to live a healthy and strong life and to keep Growing, and with this I'll finish, Matthew 11. The kingdom of God is something that is flourishing. It is moving. It is advancing. That's the kingdom of God. So if the kingdom is within you and you're born again, then you also are a person who's moving forward. The Holy Spirit grabs a hold of you as you surrender to him. That's the key. <laughs> and he says, listen, move there, move there, move there, move there. He's always inspiring you. Why? Because the kingdom is moving forward. And it says in Matthew 11, it says, 
from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful men and women lay a hold of it. Hallelujah. That's a kingdom person. Somebody who lays a hold of God and says, God, you need to change this community. You need to transform my life. If you're the God of the Bible and I'm supposed to be born again, then come and change me. Come and do something, Lord. I remember Jacqueline Brown is one of our pastors just down the road in Ladbroke Grove. She had an awesome opportunity to minister to her family. Now, probably many of you, again, are in a small world mentality in KT, maybe don't know what's happening on our doorsteps, and me too, to be honest. I find out a few things because I'm involved and that's my, my job and I'm trying to look for opportunities, but often you miss just some of the simple things. There was a guy who was murdered just on the street in Westbourne Park Road. Probably nothing new, unfortunately, in Labrock Grove. Many signs of people being stabbed. You don't get to know this in the news. It's not magnified, but just right on our doorstep, down the road from our church. So you can imagine this family are having a wake or some sort of party, uh, remembering uh, this boy that was stabbed, and he was stabbed by his, his girlfriend. And um, Jacqueline Brown was just walking by and seeing this party, seeing this party happening. She said, what is that party? She went over and she just talked to the lady, the first lady she met. And she talked to her, and it turns out that the lady that she met was the sister of the boy that got stabbed and passed away. And as she talked, she started to minister to this family, and the sister was so moved by what Jacqueline said, she came back to her and said, listen, I'd like, you to, inv- I'd like to invite you to our, all of our immediate family. Come to our house, and we want you to pray for us. So Jacqueline went to the house, and in front of 50 people who were mourning and remembering that, that, that boy, she was able to present Christ, lead them in worship, pray for them in their time of need, and has probably been invited back to run their funeral All because of why? Because she was walking past, but instead of just walking past and becoming like a usual person or a Christian person on their way to church and walking past, she thought, you know what? Let me me find out what's going on. Let me be a busybody. Let me be a kingdom person. Let me see what God's doing. And in one conversation, she was able to minister to 50 people who've never heard of KT, never heard of a satellite church down there in Labrador Grove, never heard probably of Jesus, and presented Christ to them, all because she had what? A kingdom mindset. A kingdom mindset, looking for kingdom opportunities. Shall we bow our heads in prayer right now? So I ask you this question as we finish. Is your world too small? Is your world too small? Are you allowing God to extend his kingdom Reign in your life. You know, you might say, Christian, well, I'm not, I don't feel called to reach a thousand people. I, I don't feel called for revival. I don't feel called that I, that I can lay hands and see someone healed or even a community changed. I'm just trying to get Bible. What can you do? You have a family. You have people around you. There's people in your community, people in your workplace. And yeah, even though it may be hard and difficult, you can allow God to start to penetrate every aspect of your life and start to use you in a powerful way. Stop being a town person, a city person, a narrow-minded person, and start to say, God, come into my life right now. Just lift your hands, will you? And just ask God. God, I want to be a kingdom person. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about this kingdom series, allowing God's government, God's power, God's kingdom to penetrate. And what it's about, it's a mustard seed. It starts with a seed. Starts with a seed. Father, I ask you, Father, as hands are lifted in this place today, you'll give every single person the revelation of what it means to be 
a kingdom person, a kingdom believer. And as they receive your kingdom and you start to penetrate aspects of their life that are not changed yet, but they will be because your branches will start to grow in areas that have not grown for a while, areas that have not borne fruit for a while, your kingdom will start to penetrate because your kingdom is a fruitful kingdom. It's full of new life and new resources, Father, with a new DNA, a new creation, Father God. We ask you in the name of Jesus that you'll do that in us. Teach us to dream that we can influence our family, our friends, our work colleagues, and people that we've not even known, people in other nations like Romania, like we mentioned. Other nations have never heard of you. Maybe you will use us to reach them, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give an opportunity in this place today for people who've not received the kingdom of God. How do you receive this kingdom? By repentance, asking God to forgive you. Receiving him as Lord and Savior and saying, God, come into my life right now. You believe in Jesus and you choose to follow him from this moment onwards. I'm going to pray a prayer and I want to pray for people here today who need his forgiveness And you're saying, Christian, I've heard your message today. I want to be a kingdom person. I want the old things to go. I want newness. I want God's forgiveness. I want to embrace him. I want to recommit my life to him. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you're in this place today and you need Christ in your life, you want to become a Christian, you need his forgiveness, or you want to recommit your life to him, pray this prayer in your own heart right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you right now, and I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've let you down. I'm far away from you, and I've been living the old life. Today, I turn to you, I believe on you, I confess you as my Lord and Savior, and I ask you that your new life would come into my heart right now. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again on the third day. And this day, I choose to follow you. Lord, thank you for accepting me. Thank you for changing me. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer and you need his forgiveness, just lift your hand right now in this place today and say, yes, Christian, that's me. Pray for me right now. I need God's grace. I need God's forgiveness. I'm ready to commit my life to him. Pray for me. Lift your hand high right in this place today. You're saying, I need God's grace. I need God's forgiveness. You prayed that prayer. Or you want to recommit your life to him this afternoon. Lift your hand high right now under the sound of my voice. Say, yes, Christian, that's me. Pray for me. I need Christ in my life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll give you one, 10 more seconds. If that's you, just lift your hand high right now. Say, yep, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Lift your hand high right now. Lift it high so I can see it. Yep. Doesn't seem to be anybody responding, but I see a few people lifting their hands, just receiving from the Holy Spirit. But let's just pray. Father, we thank you for today, Lord God. We thank you that the kingdom has the capacity to change us. And together we say, come and change our lives, Lord. Come and show us areas of our life where your kingdom is not ruling, your kingdom is not reigning, and we just invite you to come and penetrate every aspect of our lives so we can in turn penetrate every aspect of society. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise. God bless you guys.